0: My whole high school and university, I had this sort of laser precision focus on becoming an investment banker because of the pay and everything like that. Um, and it was exciting work, but almost like six months into it, I realized, you know, this was like a massive mistake.
1: This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with the managing director of consulting by PK, Pulkit Gupta or PK. After establishing a promising career in investment banking, he courageously decided to follow his passion for property. We'll explore how he went from purchasing his first property to launching his own property investment company. With a background in economics, statistics and finance, Gupta developed data methods which allowed him to confidently invest in properties. He's using those data methods to help others.
0: What I do is I help people build passive income um, through buying residential property here in Australia without using a buyer's agent.
1: To maintain a good work-life balance, Gupta uses his mornings for personal development and in the afternoon, his workday begins.
0: From about 12 to 6, that's where I help my clients so um, I provide a course and mentorship service so I'm, I'm there answering their questions, they're helping them choose the right suburbs, developing the right strategies, negotiating, I'm all in the background, they're doing it themselves but I'm sort of just there as a sounding board making sure they're doing the right things. So-
1: Originally from India, Gupta's family made a big move to New Zealand when he was only four years old.
0: So I grew up basically in North Island all the way through to the last year of high school. You know, like anyone in in New Zealand, played rugby and all that kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, we weren't terribly well off, I guess you could say. Um, First generation immigrants, my parents did all the hard work, all the hard yards kind of setting up the foundation and everything like that. Um, My dad was an engineer and my mum was a, a machinist. Um, you know just, just what she had to do to kind of you know for us to get by. I can remember um, that you know where we moved to in the North Island the population of that town it's called Napier it's in Hawke's Bay the population was literally 50,000 people and I think first generation immigrants we were pr- I was probably the only non-Kiwi you could say or non-New Zealander in that school or maybe there was one other sort of you know, I think it was Chinese person or something like that. So, I think my earliest memories were, to be honest, really just trying to fit in, trying
1: to be normal. To ensure that Gupta had a good education, his parents worked hard and saved to send him to a good school.
0: I just remember high school being almost like the best time times of my life, you know, I'd play sport. I was quite studious or academic, you know, like growing up in Indian household, you either become an accountant or engineer or doctor or a failure as they say so kind of to put too much negativity on my parents but yeah they you know there were some expectations there um but I think my parents were really good as well because they wanted to me to be all-round so I play rugby I play soccer I played tennis I play cricket um all these things and so yeah it was life was just jam-packed I remember my mom used to take me to two sports like trainings or events every single day and then school in the middle and then you know all you know learning piano all these sorts of things on the side so it was just like just life like like life is today, like go, 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 but like full of fun, which is good.
1: When his high school education was coming to an end, his family moved to Australia for better opportunities. And then when it came for me to finish
0: um, high school, we decided to come over to Australia because my dad thought, you know, there's better education, so to speak, in um, in Australia. So that's when we moved over here and I, and I did my um, university at, at UQ in, in Brisbane. In the first year of um, university... I was working at a fruit shop just trying to, you know, make some money and and have enough sort of extra money just to do things I wanted. But this the second year is where things really um, got more serious. I was doing summer internships, I did one at Queensland Treasury Corporation, I did one at Macquarie Bank down in Sydney, spent the month month, or the summer months in Sydney um, between the second and third year of university, so that was really, I guess, the training ground to. sort of build those relationships with future employers you know show that i was keen you know it kind of seems a little bit try hard to some extent but that's kind of what you need to do and i was super passionate about it at the time actually Um, and i think yeah i was just really grateful to get those placements and and show that you know it's not all about the grades in fact i'll i'll share with you a story Tyron, in the last subject that i did at university this was the last subject that I just needed to pass, and I already had a grad role you know, lined up with J.P. Morgan from the, the internship the year before, and I thought I actually failed the last subject of university, and I was like literally almost crying, and I was like, I just had this amazing role at J.P. Morgan. There was like a 1,000 applicants. They took two people, and now I failed my subject, and I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get the degree. And so I remember I called up the human resources people at J.P. Morgan saying... my voice was quivering. I was like, you know, I I know you've already sent me the contract. We've exchanged contracts. I'm starting in in February, but like, I've just failed my last, uh, my last exam. And you know, what they said was like, even if you failed, we'll take you because it's actually not about the grades at all for us. It's about your experience. It's about who you are. And you've demonstrated that through internships and things. So that was kind of like a relief, but the bigger relief was when they figured out that almost everyone failed the exam so they bell curved it and they, they basically passed everyone. Um, so, that was like a massive, massive relief. I I didn't deserve to pass that exam but everyone passed anyway.
1: <laughs> Influenced by his upbringing, Gupta was driven to have a high-paying career from a young age.
0: Initially, I wanted to become a doctor. Um, you know, it's kind of a bit cheesy to say but, you know, kind of like to help people in a way but I remember... I. I think I was 12 or 13 and we had our first, we migrated from like just general science subjects to actual chemistry and biology and things. And we had to cut up a, a a rat or a hamster. I can't remember what it was. And it was just like the smell and the texture, it was just all too much for me. And I was just like, this is not working out. Um, so then I was like, okay, I need to go into like more um, like commerce and mathematics and that kind of thing. And I, because we weren't super well off. I remember actually in, in sort of lunchtime at recess, recess, sometimes I would use a school computer to just Google. Um, I can't remember if it was Google or Yahoo or whatever back then, but I would be searching highest paid salaries um, because I wanted to like kind of fashion my my subjects that I chose in, in high school to be the right ones. So most, I don't think most kids were doing that. They were just having fun, but um, that's what I would do. And then this, it, consistently what would come up is this career choice called investment banking. And I don't really know what it was, but, you know, there was movies like Wall Street, Wall Street number one, like that was released in the 80s that, you know, I'd seen. And I was like, this sounds OK. I mean, as long as it pays really good. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of my career choice all the way from age 13. And so I just really worked really hard and booked the right subjects and everything to kind of do that.
1: After continuing to work hard, Gupta graduated from the University of Queensland. From there, he kicked off his career at JP Morgan.
0: Yeah, so this was my grad role so this was a full-time permanent um, role which I started in 2011. Um, they had three new um, graduates start and I was there for I think just over 12 months. I was working 90 hours a week. Um, I couldn't see my my girlfriend um, at all really like including weekends. And just the kind of, I mean, I'm very grateful for the opportunities given for the the contacts. I mean, I was talking to CEOs of ASX listed companies at like, you know, 21 years of of age, but there's just so much pressure and sometimes pressure can make diamonds. But I think that kind of pressure just really turned me off. And I was like, yeah, I'm making 100K, but I think really this is a McDonald's wage. (laughs) If you consider how much I'm working, how hard I'm working and I realized that my boss and their boss and their boss were actually working even harder than I was. Of course, they were making loads of money but, you know, at some point money doesn't actually matter. You actually just need your life. So, yeah, six months into it, I was like, I don't think this is sustainable. Um, And that's when I started thinking about other career choices and I finally left after about a year.
1: At the time he left JP Morgan, Gupta did not have a big property portfolio and needed to work. This led him back to Brisbane.
0: I decided to join management consulting field, which is a bit like investment banking in the sense that you work for big companies, you solve their problems, but it's different where you're actually solving real problems, not just financial problems. So, how do we improve productivity? How do we, you know, create a new purpose or um, or vision for this company? Uh, etc, etc. So not only were the hours more manageable, more like, you know, 60, 70 hours a week, the pay wasn't a huge pay cut, which, you know, was tolerable. And that way, I could actually then focus on, you know, by that time, Tyrone, I'd sort of realized that I can't, or I don't really want to work a nine to nine for the rest of my life, or even for the next 20 years. So Um, That's when I was sort of thinking I need a job which will still stimulate me, which will still help me understand strategy, understand numbers, it will still give me all that exposure to climb the ladder so to speak but I can still have enough time to do what I really want to do on the side.
1: After roughly five years in this position, Gupta shifted his career to an in-house role.
0: So doing the same thing, you know, strategy consulting but then I worked for Virgin Australia as as the manager or head of strategy. So a similar thing, but just focusing on one client, which is where you worked, and I was there all the way till um, a few years ago, actually, um, uh, which is when I decided to kind of do more property full time.
1: Coming up after the break, we will dive into when Gupta started investing in property.
0: So I'd already like even at JP, I bought my first property. Um, And we were buying properties, I wouldn't say regularly but you know, semi-regularly by that time.
1: The development of data methods that Gupta uses today.
0: Hardly anyone is looking at sophisticated data in the property market. And that's
1: next. I'm Taran Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So do you want to get a better return with low risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Now to answer the question that we all want to know, why did Gupta start investing into property?
0: I was starting to understand more and more about the stock market and the, you know, my background was econometrics, statistics, finance. There was so much that goes into picking the right stock, analyzing, valuing, seeing what the future cash flows will be for a stock. And I realized that I didn't actually have the confidence to put my own money, like let's say $100,000, not that I had 100000 by then, but hundred thousand dollars into a few stocks I didn't have the confidence to do it for myself I was advising superannuation funds and all these people but you know that's someone else's money at the end of the day and if it comes to my money it's like oh, I don't really know so I just don't like the volatility of the market especially back then when you know Europe was still a little bit uneasy post GFC Um, And I decided well, there was no crypto at that time. I got to do something else and property was really the only other option. And it's not that I loved property or anything like that. It was just oh, here's a way I can actually get ahead and hopefully not work for the rest of my life. Um, So that was really the, the genesis of it all.
1: After making the decision to invest in property, crypto found no help in the usual resources of magazines and online. This is when he began to develop his own data methods.
0: I was, my, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, we were researching for a long time. There was no, there was no property in story back then, unfortunately, um, or any podcast really. So mostly just real estate and magazines and stuff. And there was just so much information. And like, we went to some seminars and, you know, hotel rooms and stuff, and it it just didn't vibe with us. So I sort of thought, I know data, I know data in the stock market, hardly anyone Is looking at sophisticated data in the property market and so I just sort of compiled a lot of the data that I could it it cost a lot of money it was a bit of an investment Um, and ran you know statistical models multivariate regressions and, and really see what actually matters what actually doesn't matter because I was sort of of the opinion that if all you do is follow what Google says which is buy close to a train station close to a CBD good amenities infrastructure if that was all there was to it then like, why isn't everyone just driving around Ferraris and stuff, right? Um, so, I didn't buy that. And so, I just used my own sort of data methods. I wasn't fully confident in it yet, but we'd back-tested it um, and, and calibrated it. And I bought an East Gosford. Um, so, East Gosford is about an hour north of Sydney. It was a little bit longer back then because there's no tunnel and things. Um, but... We chose that it was what was the purchase price like three twenty or three fifteen something like that, and I mean it was something we could afford. You know we couldn't buy half million dollar properties. The rent was about four hundred, so it pays paid for itself. Um, so that was really the first property, Tyrone.
1: Gupta and his wife now own nine residential and two commercial properties. However. This does not mean they have not faced challenges on their path to success.
0: I think the my biggest mistake, you could say, was in 2015. This was our, I think our fifth property at the fourth or fifth property at the time we bought in Cairns. And you know, for once what I did was I sort of ignored the local government area data, I ignored the suburb data and I just said, look, Cairns hasn't moved for 10 years. The prices are the same as what they were pre-GFC. Tourism is booming, the Australian dollar is low at that time there was some um, tycoon from Hong-, Hong Kong who was going to build a huge casino um, in the Esplanade in Cairns and I was like, you know how can you go wrong? like let me just ignore the data and just follow these macroeconomic trends um, because that's kind of what you hear on news and stuff like that and like literally that property was bought for about I think 400,000 and right now like six years later it's worth about 450. So, I mean, it wasn't like a huge mistake where I lost my money and I had to kind of, you know, build everything back up. But I mean, the opportunity cost is hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that just sort of taught me the lesson that don't just go by what the media is saying. Don't just go by, you know, there's a big infrastructure thing planned because a lot of times these infrastructure projects, they fall over. They don't get funding. They don't get development approval. There's so many stages that they have to go through and don't just follow um, and invest in in the market because of macroeconomic trends. You have to be very scientific and actually really know using data the suburb, the local government area where, where you should invest.
1: Although this investment wasn't a huge mistake, it still taught Gupta some valuable lessons.
0: Yeah, I'm still scratching my head. Right, like yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But then when you actually understand, it's like around the suburb where I bought, they've literally building, a, have built a thousand new homes. So supply demand, didn't see it coming, didn't understand that at that time, you know, you live and live.
1: We'll continue to explore PK Gupta's journey in a future episode of Property Investory. We'll talk about his strategy.
0: To be honest with you, we were open to buying anywhere across Australia.
1: The daily habits which helped him achieve success.
0: I normally get up very early, um, I actually spend my entire mornings either um, meditation and then meditation or working out, having a nice breakfast with, uh,
1: with my family. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. If you love the show, perhaps you are now ready to invest your money in a low-risk high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now and I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest. Text me your name and email address on 04 99 88 10 40.